Welcome to the Gardens Podcast. This message entitled, Fasting, the Ultimate Endurance Training, was given by Bill Dogtrum and is the 12th in our series, Sermon on the Mount. Well, this is um, the um, kind of the, the, the first two-service Sunday for us, right? Uh, last Sunday we had the, the big kind of kickoff in the morning, and, and today uh, two services, uh, one tonight at, at 6 o'clock again. Uh, and uh, Darren's going to be back, uh, our lead pastor is going to be back uh, teaching next Sunday. Uh, so just so you know what's going on, I'm finishing out the sweep on last week we talked about prayer. And because that gets so often connected with uh, fasting, we're gonna, uh, he asked me to kind of combine those two. Uh, for those of you who might be interested, though, uh, in a few weeks we're going to maybe do a, a pull-out afternoon session for a couple hours and just talk about prayer and fasting in the spiritual life and spiritual disciplines as ways that we cooperate with the Holy Spirit to in order Christ to be formed in us. So if all that sounds really strange and you're not sure what in the world that means, uh, maybe you want to give us a couple hours here in a few weeks uh, in the afternoon between services and uh, we'll we'll spend some time and, and do kind of a workshop and exploration of those things. Um, but today we're going to talk a little bit about the, the uh, discipline, but also the practice of fasting, uh, which is a, a defined is a denial uh, of something that you want and sometimes occasionally what you need for the purpose of the creation of space for God to engage you in new ways. So usually when people think about fasting, it's about uh, setting aside food. And it can be a number of different things, certain types of foods, for example, uh, um, uh, all proteins or, or at least uh, meats uh, during a particular season so that the fast is what's called in the Old Testament at least a Daniel fast, which is fruits and vegetables for an extended period of time. Sometimes it's um, a total fast with the exception of, of liquids uh, for a period of time, uh, 24 hours or three days, or uh, sometimes uh, as much as seven or 21 days. Um, there are, are longer fasts occasionally, uh, 40 days and so on and so forth. We can talk about that when we do the, the thing. Um, so if you're not familiar with that as a discipline, fasting is a way, though, of, of creating space. Uh, it, it is not uh, all that beneficial in itself as it, it is, its purpose is to cooperate with grace. Uh, its purpose is to, like I said, to create space. And what it does, remember in, in the Sermon on the Mount, we're talking about living in this thin space between the physical reality and the spiritual reality. That we uh, as human beings are built to live uniquely we're not we're not animals in that we're purely physical we're not angels in that we have a primary spiritual identity that human beings live in that that thin space in between and so fasting is a human discipline that takes things from the physical food or uh, we'll talk about this a little bit later on but uh, other kinds of things that that are part of that dimension of our existence and we use those to help create space for uh, the inbreathing of the spirit. So it's a discipline of that thin space. Does, does that make sense? So um, we'll, we'll take advantage of this this morning. And um, because we're not quite so many as we have before, 
Uh, I'm going to do something uh, that I don't usually do on, on Sundays, but if you want to do it, I'm, I'm in. And that is if anybody has any questions uh, that you want to ask while we're going through this, uh, I'm happy for you just to say so. I'm going to, ha- unfortunately, because um, I don't know how to do this any other way, uh, it's going to be helpful for me if you just kind of stick your hand up um, and, and let me know that, and then I'll make sure that I create space for that kind of a conversation, because this is, for some of us, like kind of new territory. We haven't thought about this as something that really can apply to us, really super spiritual people, maybe fast, but not us ordinary folks. Um, and so I, I want to kind of take advantage of that opportunity. Is that all right? And if you don't have any questions, uh, you know me by now that I can fill the space all by myself. And um, so, so that, that's all right. Um, where we're at, uh, some of you, I, I noticed Billy and, 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 uh, and, and Brian were handing out Bibles. If anybody else needs one, though, would you mind just raising your hand and let us know that? Uh, we're in the Gospel of Matthew again. We're in the Sermon on the Mount, which is kind of the constitution and bylaws of the kingdom of God. It's how Jesus thinks life ought to be structured. Anybody? We've got one more up here. Thank you, sir. And uh, anybody else? Good. All right, we got one more back here partway through, about uh, halfway down to the right side, two-thirds of the way down, or one-third of the way up. One. Okay, so here we are in the sixth chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus has, has done his sweep through the first two marks of Jewish piety. Remember, he is speaking primarily to a Jewish audience who have been used to the rituals and structures of Uh, their faith, and the three marks of Jewish piety are, um, once again, giving alms on on top of tithe, giving alms in a public way, works of charity, which is not just giving its actions. Then the second was prayer, which mostly is public prayer, and Jesus takes that, as we learned last week and the week before, and and brings it back down to a, a, a personal relationship with the Father, uh, and, and living out of that. And then the third one is uh, fasting, which, as I said, is uh, choosing not to eat, uh, usually uh, for a specified period of time. The average Jewish uh, male uh, would fast two days a week uh, in the first century, uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays, uh, as a way to prepare for Sabbath beginning late Friday night. So uh, and we see clearly other religions fast as well. Last time uh, we talked about meditation, which other religions have picked up and do as well. Uh, so these ancient practices are not um, foreign to either Judaism or then Christianity. Uh, it, it, it is, in fact, up until about the late um, 1800s, fasting was a regular part of the Christian practice. Uh, but somewhere along the line with industrialization and enlightenment, uh, it became uh, stuck in, in a kind of an ascetic self-abuse process and so got set aside. And uh, so uh, really between about 1900 and 1950, there were zero books written, for example, on the discipline of fasting. Uh, and, and so I think that the modern church in some way has lost some of the benefit of this ancient practice as a way, again, of creating space uh, that 
fasting all by itself is not the point. You don't do push-ups to get good at doing push-ups. Right? You don't fast so you get good at fasting. You, get, you fast so that you increase capacity for the things that God might do in you and, and through you. So that's what we're, we're doing today. Is that, that making any sense at all? I feel like I've said that eight times and that's like time to move on. Okay, here we are, verse 16 of the sixth chapter, three little verses um, that, that imply in their brevity that the disciples knew what Jesus was talking about. He says, notice verse 16, when you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect, literally the Hebrew word here, or Greek word here is ruin. They ruin their appearance in order to be seen fasting by people. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, so that you may not be seen fasting by men, but instead by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will repay you. So, again, the contrast. Remember, we started in, in the early part of this sermon with Jesus saying your righteousness, your good deeds, the way you live has to exceed that of the Pharisees. The Pharisees have got a public faith down pat. Jesus says, do that and raise the bar by internalizing the motivation for that. So he talks about prayer, not as a public discipline, but as uh, primarily a relationship between you and the Father. He talks about giving alms, not so people would see how generous you are, but so that the Father who, who sees the generosity coming from a generous heart uh, can, can, can reward. He's, he's, and by the way, don't de-link those things. Jesus is very clear that we live in this thin space and that we have an audience. And the audience is not just um, God, although it clearly includes Him, it is all of, in the writer of Hebrews sense, all of the saints who have gone before, this, this great cloud he talks about of witnesses. But in addition to that, Paul says in another passage that we live our lives before principalities and powers, before spiritual wickedness in high places, that all around us is a spiritual realm, almost another dimension, if you will, and we live in that dimension at the same time as we live in these four dimensions that we currently live in, length, height, depth, and time. We live in a physical four-dimensional world, but a spiritual multi-dimensional world. Does that make sense? So we live in both realms at the time. And, and fasting is a way of taking something that works effectively in this four-dimensional world and uses it to change the dynamic of the, of the spiritual world in that, that uh, uh, other, other, other dimension because we live in those, those realms. So here he's saying, and notice again, verse 16 and verse um, 17 begin with this, whenever you fast or when you fast. So what's the first thing we clue into? Jesus is expecting his disciples to fast. This is not some esoteric practice. This is not something that super Christians do or people who really want to be amped up on God. This is something that ought to be part of the norm of the Christian life. 
He's, he's, he's kind of putting that on the table, like he says, when you pray or when you give alms, this is not exceptionally uh, uh, esoteric behavior. This is an expectation, right? He says, so the, the problem is not the fasting. The problem is the motivation for the fasting, very similar to prayer and alms, okay? Anybody have any questions or comments so far? How are we doing? Um, okay, good. So the, the problem is the motivation again, right? And, and he says, here you have the hypocrites, the play actors, and, and whether, whether the Pharisees in, in, in practice did this or not, we don't know. It's similar to the example he gives earlier on about the people who blow the trumpet and then give alms, right, who, who, who do it to draw attention. Apparently, though, by the, by the time we'd gotten to the first century, uh, certain Jewish uh, religious figures were... Um, instead of uh, um, going out with every other preparation that they normally would have done into the day, they would take advantage of the fast and, and mar themselves sometimes with ashes as a sign of grief over sin or mourning over sin that they had committed or uh, they, would, they would not, the old-fashioned languages anoint their head with oil, they would not, in other words, uh, uh, beautify their physical body for, phys for social contact. Does that make sense? So they would go out with their face literally, and the text says, ruined. So that people would notice that they were on a fast day. And by noticing, would think they were spiritual, or think they were religious, or think they were uh, moving in that, that dynamic. So not everybody fasted, but they wanted people to notice that they did. And I think Jesus is saying people notice, so they have their reward. In other words, fasting has no other effect or purpose in their lives other than for people to notice and think and believe that they're religious. Do you see how it works? So people notice and think and believe that they're religious. Debt paid in full. You have what you asked for, you have what you wanted, it's all over. But Jesus suggests that there is something else that can happen in fasting at the spiritual level that doesn't, because remember, the Pharisees are fasting, or this group is fasting purely at the physical level, right? People are noticing their appearance and are thinking of them at that physical level as being spiritual. The problem is they're not because they have everything they came for in this realm, right? But the people who fast in this realm with intent in the spiritual realm, now that's a different category, right? So from the heart, set your heart on fasting. Just do it between yourself and the Father. And your Father, and, 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 and so over in this realm, anoint your head with oil, comb your hair, take a shower, get put on clean clothes. Don't ruin your face. Don't mar your appearance so that people will think you're religious. Whether they think you're religious or not is irrelevant. You don't be doing this stuff. And we have ways of doing that, right? I've grown up in church all my life. Some of you have as well. And, and Jesus is just thinking, saying to us in a number of ways, don't perform for social benefit. Don't, 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 don't be doing that. I, I grew up in a church sometimes when... When, when prayer was a performance activity. 
or worship was a performance activity. It had virtually nothing to do with God in connection with God. It had to do with whether people thought I was a worshiper or not. It had nothing to do with whether I was or not. It's whether I could appear to be. And Jesus wants to kind of tease away the performance aspects and really root us down deeply. You should really be able to tell if somebody's a person of prayer by the way they live their life. You should really be able to tell by whether a life is shaped by fasting, by how a life gets lived. You should never have to tell somebody that you're a prayer. To be honest, I hope we never get to the place, even, and we'll say it accidentally, candidly, we'll say it sometimes by mistake, we'll say, the garden is a praying church. I, I want that to be true, right? Because that signals, we, we get that we're where, we're, where, where we're living. But if we have to tell people we're a praying church and they can't tell any other way, we're not a praying church. We're a church that talks about being a praying church. Difference, right? And the same thing it, 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 with, with this dynamic. Fasting is one of those things that works itself in to the DNA of our being and shapes how we live in such a way that you don't have to tell anybody you're fasting. They just recognize in your behavior that something is going on in there. I'm not sure exactly what it is that enables this, but here's one of the ways that fasting works. You become a less angry person. Fasting, the denial of what the body wants and sometimes what the body needs, and training us into a gentle disposition in spite of not having our comfort needs met, trains us away from anger. Do you see how that works? When we learn in fasting to say no, right, to something the body wants or needs, we can soon learn to train our body and our spirit to say no to a natural reactionary expression of things. Because here's the tr truth, for me at least, if you're, if you're a nice person, if you're a kind and gentle person only, when you've had your morning coffee or had adequate sleep, you're not a kind and gentle person. You're on medication. <laughs> right? I mean, if, and, and frankly, I used to use that excuse all the time. You know, I, I, just, I just need my morning coffee and then I'll be kind and gentle again. Well, no, I'll just be on caffeine. Do, do, do you see what I'm saying? So I want to be kind and gentle when I'm not thinking about it and without medication. Does that make sense? And fasting trains us in self-denial so that we can be space-created for the character of Christ to be reproduced in us. Do, do, do you see? One of the things that I'm walking, when I walk with, with uh, depending on, on what the issues are, but when I'm walking with some uh, men through uh, pornography addiction, one of the ways that we can push back against addictive behaviors, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, bored, when we are in those environments, we tend to migrate towards things that are of an addictive quality, whether it's video games or 
pornography or alcohol or drugs or work or even spirituality. We can tend to migrate to those things as a way of dealing with the core hungers. Well, what if we trained ourselves to be hungry and to be okay? I'm not going to die. I'll be fine. So that's one of the ways of pushing back against addictive behaviors in any of the ways that they show up. Does that make sense? Anybody questions yet? Yes, Steve. Well, yeah. Well, uh, uh, just stay away from Steve uh, in, in this season, then. You need a sign. No, uh, that's going to happen, right? Because you've got to go through the middle to get to the end. Part of what happens when we fast, right, is it reveals how out of control we really are. You know, if I'm only happy when I've had uh, my, 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 my breakfast or my snack at dinner or, or, or coffee break time or whatever, I, I'm using food as a medication. How many of you know how that works? We talk even about comfort food, right? And, and, and so, so we are using that comfort as a way to mask and sometimes push down. In fact, one of the things that I walk through with people who are struggling with weight issues, positively or negatively, right? Whether it's, uh, whether it's a, 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 an eating disorder of some kind, anorexia or bulimia or something of that nature on the one side, or obesity on the other side. Is that about food? It's hardly ever about food. What's it about? It's about chaos. It's about anger, and sometimes food issues are anger that turn inside, right, and come out sideways. Uh, a lot of people struggle with obesity because of some shame or some incident that had happened in their life, and they've just decided, I am never going to be small enough to be taken advantage of again. So overeating is a way to become bigger and more powerful and so less likely to be taken advantage of. So we ought to expect the first season when we enter into the discipline of fasting, we ought to get ready for, okay, all, kind of the, the lid comes off, right? And the things that I've been using to stuff down my anger or my sexuality or, or confusion over some of those things or uh, addictive behaviors, when that lid is off, then that stuff begins to bubble up. Here's the deal. It's there whether you cover it up or not. So when we take the lid off, what do we do? We create the possibility of evacuation. We create the possibility of release of that anger, of bringing it to Jesus, of talking to God about our anger, talking to God about our lust, or talking to God about our terror, or talking to God about our uh, uh, abuse or talking to God, we, we, we flood it out, right? So we ought to expect when we start to move into some of these disciplines like fasting that something like that is going to happen. Now, here's the deal. Don't quit in the middle. You've got to get to the end, but you've got to go through the middle to get to the end. Does that, does that make sense? So uh, I, think, I think when we talk about this... Um, this is, this is, again, really pushes us on this because fasting functions in a way, and you'll notice here what the point of this verse 18 here is. Look, don't fast to be seen by fasting by men, but by your Father who is in secret. So once again, 
Fasting brings us right back down to the point, do you have a father who knows what you need before you ask? Do you have a father, for example, who can satisfy your hungers without food? How many of you know God can do that? He did it for 40 years in the wilderness. And we say, well, no, he provided them manna. You know what the word manna means in Hebrew? It means, what is this? It's, it's, it, it, they did not recognize it as food. Uh, Dallas Willard calls it the congealed word of God. Manna is the congealed word of God. Manna took physical form such that they could eat it. But this, now, do you understand what Jesus is saying in the temptation? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. You see what he's echoing there? And, and so here, we, we, fasting trains us in, 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 as a discipline in receiving our sustenance from God with or without food. How many of you have discovered, for example, that usually God provides for your physical needs uh, by a job? but he can provide for your sustenance needs without a job too. Right? So he wants us to train ourselves away from thinking, it's my job that provides me my sustenance. Rather, it's God who provides me my sustenance, usually through my job. Do you hear the difference? And that's what Jesus is training us into on this. Uh, as some of our, our, our community is struggling with that, dealing with that, learning that deeply, uh, at the at the gut level, even now, right? So fasting uh, is, is a way of training us in this relationship of dependence on the Father. Uh, it, it 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 is a way of saying I believe. And again, this is at the end. This is not always at the beginning. At the beginning, it it just hurts, right? It's just because uh, most of us are not hungry because we're hungry. We're hungry because it's time to eat. I need you to sit with that for a minute. Because we've trained our body to send signals at certain meal times. And so our body says, well, this is about the time we should be eating, so let's get the process going, right? And when it gets denied that, it starts to push back a little louder, a little harder. And, after, and, and, and so in that season, it, it feels like you're you're gonna start. You're not. Most of us have initial, have an adequate resources to survive without solid nourishment or food for anywhere between seven and, as of recent record, eleven or twelve days or longer. So not water, but food. So. The point is, regardless of what, how many of you have had your body lie to you before? Fasting says to our body, you're not in charge of my decision-making process. It, dis, it, it, it disconnects our body from the game. 
need you to think about this. And uh, here's Super Bowl Sunday is a great, great opportunity to illustrate this. We're going to have guys playing in that game this week. People are going to be playing in that game this afternoon who will be playing hurt. Right? Playing hurt. Why do they do that? When their body is clearly telling them, don't go out there anymore, whether wisely or not in this particular example, they are going to go out there and play the game to the very best of their ability. They're going to play hurt. Fasting is a way to train us to play hurt. When I'm not satisfied, when I don't have what I want, when I don't always even get what I need, I'm okay. Nothing substantial changes about me. I'm going to be fine. And I can be a kingdom person regardless of my own personal comfort level. Fasting creates then space into which we can ask God. So often I, I try and, and when I'm teaching this and encouraging people in this, I try and ask them to combine fasting and prayer. They are really two different disciplines, but they go together very nicely as Jesus models for us. So fasting, I get back 10, 15, 30 minutes when I would normally be eating. What am I going to do in that space? Well, why don't we just use that space to talk to God about stuff? That's a very practical way, but also it works at the spiritual level as well. Fasting shakes up our systems of dependence is really what it does. It, of security and comfort, and then it, it, it trains us into increased capacity for the graced life. Um, so it's a, it's a type, then, of resistance training. I don't know if you want to look at this back here just for a second, if you've got your Bible still open. Look back over there at the fourth chapter uh, of the Gospel of Matthew. Back over there at the fourth chapter. Um, Everybody there that wants to be there? We're good? Look back up in, in just the last two verses of the third chapter. Jesus is baptized with water. He came up out of the water, verse 16 of chapter 3. And behold, the heavens were opened. He saw the Spirit of God coming and descending on him, resting upon him as a dove. And a, behold, a voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And then the tempter came to him and said to him, If you are the Son of God, Command these stones to be turned into loaves. You catch what the function of fasting was for Jesus there? It was preparation for temptation. Fasting was not the temptation. The desert was not the temptation. The temptation came. The desert was the crucible, right? The, 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 the place of forming. Fasting was the bulking up, if you will, the training towards resistance for the temptations that would come. Does that make sense? So for Jesus, fasting in this moment 
enabled him to learn to say no to what he needed, creating capacity for a yes later on. I'm really convinced that Jesus' ability to say no to bread in the desert is what enabled him to ultimately say yes to a cup in the garden. You see how it works? By saying no, our yeses become meaningful. By saying no to our appetites in whatever form they express themselves, we can genuinely choose what is good for us. If we're just making decisions based on hunger memory, we soon lose the ability to be satisfied with anything. Have you noticed that? So fasting trains us, not as a, not as a, a, a kind of a, of a, of a, of a, of a, a manipulative and controlling way. It just gives us the ability to push back against the things that push in on us. It's resistance training to uncover and reveal the support structures. It pushes back against controlling and addictive behaviors, whether we have counted on food. Um, frankly, in our culture, uh, get, dealing with the population I mostly deal with, 18 to 22-year-olds, I'm really convinced that Facebook is an addiction. Or media. In fact, uh, in my spiritual disciplines class this last uh, uh, fall, I, I have people that um, uh, are dealing with severe eating disorders. And so fasting is not a good discipline for them. It's, it's toxic. So no, we're not going to have you fast. So what would be meaningful to you that you really need for your existence that you would be willing to set aside for the season of this class? And one girl said without hesitation, Facebook. Now, Facebook's not the problem, boys and girls. Five hours on Facebook. Now, that's a problem. Right? It's like, wait a minute, I'm hiding in an alternate world. What am I hiding from? My real life. Farmville is way more exciting than anything I have going on, right? Right? And, and I can kill people in mafia, and, 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 it, and it barely even licks the surface of my moral conscience. Right? So maybe, this is not coincident, in 10 days, Lent begins. Lent is the season of, of fasting. It's a season of creation of space to prepare for the grand celebration of Easter weekend. Begins on Wednesday, Wednesday of next week, 10 days. What has gotten a grip on you that you want to pry away from your life. Maybe fasting will be part of a discipline for you in Lent. Maybe setting aside media will be a discipline. One of the, one of the kids in, in my class decided that she was not going to text. <laughs> is, is, is there life after texting? Right? Because um, you all know that face, uh, I mean, uh, email is no longer the way people communicate. That's old, right? That's so 90s or so 2000, early 2000s, 
right? So now it's texting. What if I just decided to actually talk to people? Because the phenomenon is, I, I, I was doing pre-marriage or marriage counseling here a, a little while ago, and, and this couple's, literally, they would sit in the same room and text one another. And we say, that is so stupid. Boy, that's a great idea. But all ways, all ways of hiding, all ways perhaps, perhaps, not, not for everybody. But so it's, it's a way of pushing back from that. Some of you need to maybe fast from certain relationships for a time. They're toxic to you. They've become dependent. You've become clingy. Uh, in, the, in the book of uh, Corinthians, Paul talks about married couples choosing to set aside sexual intercourse for a season so that they can increase their prayers. Just for a season, don't panic. And by mutual choice, but 21st century, we wouldn't wouldn't even think of such a thing. Well, I'm just asking you to think about it. Where are you hiding? What's getting in the way of the deep work that the Spirit wants to do for you? Because it increases our capacity for discomfort. How many of you know that you're built for way more pain than you think you are? Fasting trains us in capacity for pain. And we think, that's a good idea? Yeah, it is. Because if we don't lean into discomfort, we will constantly be shrinking our lives to that which is comfortable, to that which is safe, to that that doesn't require anything of us. I became aware of this uh, a, a short while ago with a friend that I was talking about, completely unrelated to this particular discipline that we're talking about. But I discovered that he had decided that the world outside of Southern California was not worth exploring. He, he was born and raised here. He was 60 years old. He had never left Southern California. It was a real stretch for him to go to San Luis Obispo. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. You think I'm nuts. No, I'm not. Right? And, and I was thinking, so you've never seen the Colorado Rockies? No, I don't need to. Never seen the Grand Canyon? I've seen pictures. Never, never walked on a 2,000-year-old road in London, England? Never? N- n- no. So the Mona Lisa for you will always only ever be a snapshot? Yes. How did you get this way? The answer finally was, I just made decisions in my comfort zone. And the world got smaller and smaller and smaller. How many of you know that that could happen to you? Unless you train your capacity for discomfort. We'll do it in relationships, right? You never give your heart away to somebody if you're not willing to risk that heart being hurt. So the world gets smaller and smaller and smaller. You see how it works? So fasting is one of those disciplines that just creates all kinds of space for all kinds of adventure in the realm of the spirit, in the realm of the physical. It just is an amazing discipline that just kind of shakes things up at the center of our lives.
And Jesus says, not if, but when you fast. Don't do it so other people think you're fasting. Do it so your father can take that increased capacity and fill it up with himself. That's what I invite you to. Perhaps in this Lenten season, we'll talk some more about it as we go along, but maybe for some of us, it's time. You're feeling the world already starting to push in on you, and it's time to say, no, I'm bigger than my comfort zone in Christ. Let's pray together. Jesus, I, I thank you for this, um, this text that just really pushes hard against the things that we have, have, uh, have uh, trained ourselves to, the comfort levels that are so much part, whether it's food or, or, or drugs or alcohol or relationships or all of those other things that we have trained ourselves to need and to hide in. Lord, I just uh, sense as we've talked about this this morning that you have some, some adventures for us that simply we can't engage in because our hands are so full of what makes us comfortable. So I pray that in our journey with you, uh, you will help us to open up our hands to the adventure. Fasting is one of those ways of opening up. I pray, Lord, that as we take some time to sit and sing and reflect and maybe find our way to the cross and maybe find our way to the table of the Lord, the communion, maybe ask somebody to pray with us, that you will just um, kind of push back against some of the ways that we have become dependent on everything being perfect for us to be comfortable and teach us that we have a larger capacity than that for life from above. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear other messages from The Garden or would like to find out more about The Garden Church, please visit us on the web at thegardenlb.org.